So a few days ago, I introduced my wife and my son to the classic board game and my all-time favorite game, Risk. How many of you ever played Risk before? Now, you know to be effective at this game, you have to be a taker, not a giver, right? You've got you to be willing to take armies, take cards, take countries, and just basically to win the game, you've got to take over the world. And so part of the discipleship process for my son, who's 13 years old, part of him becoming a man is learning how to play the game of risk. And, uh, but we were playing with mom. And, and if you know Stephanie, she has the gift of giving. Like you either have the gift of giving or you give and you learn how to do it and you kind of grow in that area, but you don't naturally maybe do it. And so I knew that going into this game, she wouldn't last long because of her gift of giving. And as the game began to unfold, I began to see the signs of what my theory was become true. For example, when it came to distributing your armies all over, usually you want to put a, most of them in a certain area to develop a stronghold and, and then from that base grow out. That's a good strategy in playing the game of risk. But she didn't want to have any countries with one army because she didn't want anybody to be by themselves. So she spread them out all over the place. And then when it became her turn to... Uh, Am I, am I lying, babe? What I'm tell, if I'm lying, I'm dying. This is a true story. Like, she was, when it came to her time to attack and you're rolling the dice, if she lost one army, she was so wounded in her heart that she would just stop. She wouldn't get a card. And she didn't care. And so uh, as the game got longer, she was accumulating her armies at her turn. Well, she discovered that when she got five armies, she could redeem those five armies for a horse. And so she was so excited to bring her horse out of the stable, and she named her horse Ginger. <laughs> and so she's literally on the board. She's talking to her horse and her armies. And, and uh, you know, like, like that is not supposed to work. But I don't know if it was like luck or she was playing this Yeta, uh, like this Yoda mind trick on, Jedi mind trick on us, because we did not want to attack mom anymore. It's like we felt bad. She was like, here she is. She's loving her. Who's going to want to kill Ginger, you know? Like, it was terrible. And, and, and the reality is she lasted longer in the game than me. It was embarrassing. And, but I discovered that giving, we definitely know that giving works in the kingdom of God. Giving works in the world. But I discovered that giving even works in the game of risk. So well done, babe. Well done. <laughs> so today we're going to start a brand new series uh, about giving, about generosity, and it's called Blessed to be a Blessing. How many of you want to be blessed in your life? I want God's blessing in my life. How many of you want to be blessed so you can be a blessing to others? Like if God really blessed you generously, you could be a bigger blessing to other people. Wouldn't we want to be that? Wouldn't we want to be generous? I don't think I've ever met anyone who said, I just don't want to be a generous person. We want to be giving. We want to, and it's about our heart. It's about, it, it really is. It starts with our heart. And so I'm excited that you're here as we start a brand new journey on developing a generous heart, growing in the area of generosity. And this is something that before we dive too, too deep into the subject, I've got to make a confession. Since 2015, I have only taught one message on the topic of generosity or giving, money, managing God's stewards, his, his resources. And I want to apologize because it is a big deal in Scripture. It, it, Jesus talks a lot about it. Did you know that out of his 38 parables, 16 of them had to do with money, talents, and resources? About 500 verses in the Bible are on faith. 
nearly 500 on prayer. But do you know how many talk about money? Over 2,000. Why so much on money and giving? I, I think it's because God knew how much we would struggle with this. Here's the elephant in the room. It's a big elephant. 20% of our church family tithes. One out of five obeys the Lord with their first fruits, with a tithe, and gives that to God. Now, we know that in our community, the average household income is about $62,000. And so we said, what if it's, we're going to be conservative with this, what if it's just 30000 And so we did the numbers over several months, and it was, we discovered that out of the 1,400 households that call Gateway their home, 285 church, or 285 families trust the Lord with their tithe. 285. And so we thought, wow, we want our church family to be blessed. We want you to be blessed. But if we're not obeying God in this very important area of your life, how can we expect to really be a greater blessing to other people? And so we began to really pray. I mean, this really grieved our heart. And and we just felt like we need to teach on this subject. This is a very important area that we grow in and because we want to be a blessing to others. We want to see more lives change. I mean, can you imagine if the majority of our church family really became very generous and obedient in this area? Imagine the more people that we could reach, the, the, the marriages that could be changed, like the, the, those who are poor and hurting, the, the ministries we can invest in, the church planning teams that we can send. Right, we have three, right now we have three pastors and church planning teams that have been trained. They're ready to go into their new communities and into our city. And the only thing that's holding them back is money right now. We have missionaries that have, are in the process of selling everything that they have. The only thing that's keeping them from going overseas right now is finances. We have, we have Chi Alpha missionaries have moved to places like New York and they're waiting to get onto their campus. The only thing that's holding them back is financial support. And so I hope that you're, you're just like catching the vision of why this is so important. Not just that we could be blessed, but rather that we could really bless what the Lord wants to bless and expand his kingdom on earth. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. When it comes to this area, I don't think that, and it is a factor that it's just being selfish or being greedy. I was, I was like that. I'm still trying to grow. But I think it, for a lot of people, it's just they don't know how. Maybe it hasn't been modeled for them. Maybe you haven't read what the Bible says on this, this topic. And so if, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's hard to make a $20 donation. It's hard to even help someone when you can't even make the minimum payment for your credit card bill. And so how can we hit maybe the reset button? How can we say, our oh, Lord, a clean slate. I want to come to you. I want to know what your word says and then, and then do it and be obedient. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to discover some amazing principles in the Bible. It's not silent on this area whatsoever. But also I want to encourage you to read maybe a couple of books that have made a big impact on me. And it's really helped us with this new sermon series. Uh, and that is Dave Ramsey's book called Total Money Makeover. Uh, great book. And then the second book is by a pastor and author named Robert Morris called The Blessed Life. We have a few of these books at our, in the lobby that you can pick up. But I encourage you to, to get hungry and learn. Uh, but let's go to the Lord's Word. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 23. It says, Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, 
Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you are then... If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now I want to pause because as we're reading this, some of you are thinking, man, sounds like Jesus is kind of like a hippie. Like he's, he's telling us to look about at the birds and the flowers and, and don't worry, be happy. And, but you got to understand the context. This is an agriculture uh, where a lot of people are farmers and they spend a lot of time outside. And the Jews in the first century, there was a scarcity mentality. Because not only were they tithing to the temple or to the church, but they were heavily taxed by the Romans. They were oppressed by this Roman government that was taking so much out of them. And they didn't have enough. And so they were worried and they were stressed out. And this is what Jesus is speaking. He's speaking to those who are, who are worried about where the next paycheck is going to come from or how they're going to pay all the bills. And, and, he's, and, and we're seeing him say, hey, don't stress out about it. He's like, really think about the birds. Think about the flowers. I'm going to take care of you. Like, he's, he's not thinking through a scarcity mentality. He's thinking through a lens that, man, there's abundance in the world. So let's continue to look in verse 28. If God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the what? The kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fall. Where no thief approaches nor moths destroy. For where your treasure is, there your what? Your heart will be also. So he's saying don't stress about it. Don't become so preoccupied and focused on accumulating worldly wealth because it will mess you up. I mean, what he's saying is very ecclesiastical. Like this is like if you, if you get so obsessed with the things here on earth and money and all the, it, he's like, it's going to tear you apart. He's like, I, I, want you, I want your heart. Like where your treasure is, there your heart is also. You may have heard someone say once, man, the church is always after your money. Well, the reality is that God is after your money. Because God knows if he has your money, he has your heart. So how do you know? What's kind of the litmus test of what you really value or where your heart is? I would encourage you to look at your credit card statement. Look at your bank account. What do your expenses go to? Are you spending things that, man, that, that are expensive? Like that you may not think a, a $4 cup of coffee is much, and, and it isn't. But when you do 20 of them in a month and you add that up, it's easy to go, wow. 
man, is this, is this, is, is this line up with what I know to be uh, good stewardship? And if I didn't spend as much here, could I spend more uh, for those who are in need or, or missionaries or God's king? So you, we need to be open to, the, to the, what the Lord is speaking. And, and so let's not just look at Jesus' words. Open your Bible to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, it's in the Old Testament, fifth book of the Bible. And we're going to discover principles of how to have a generous heart. It really comes down to the heart. It's not a money issue. It's a heart issue. And so how can we have a generous heart so not only can we be in the right position to be blessed, but we could be a better blessing to other people around us. So starting in verse 7, Deuteronomy chapter 15. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren... Within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you. Who is giving? God. He gave them all of the land. He said, you shall not harden your what? Your heart. It's all about your heart. Nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need. Whatever he needs. So how are we going to become generous? Let's discover it from this passage of scripture. First, we must deal with a selfish heart. If our heart is greedy, if it's desiring to accumulate, if it's desiring to to hoard rather than give, if we're a taker rather than a giver, then we need to confess it and be open and say, man, I am, I'm I'm greedy, I'm selfish, and be honest about it. Verse 9, it says, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying the seventh year, the year of release, is at hand. And your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it become a sin among you. What God is saying is a friend comes to you, not just a friend, but a brother. Someone you know, and they're in, they're in a tough place, and you can help them, but then you make up an excuse why you can't. You see, God created in the Old Testament a, a good economy that on the, on the seventh year, it was like the year of Jubilee, all the debts would be canceled. And so in the story, God's saying, hey, don't just say because it's very soon to the year of Jubilee that you don't have to do anything because all of his debts are going to be canceled. He's saying, that's an excuse. Help him. Find the need, meet it, and be generous with it. Don't let there be any temptation to justify why you can't be generous, why you can't be giving. Because we can all come up with excuses, right? But he's saying, don't do that. Deal with that selfishness in your heart. Deal with it. Now, as we look at this... like. The one who, remember, gave the land, they, gave, they, they were once children that were slaves in Egypt, and now they have, they, they're in the promised land now, and, and God is reminding them, hey, I gave you everything you have. It's very important for us to remember that the earth is the Lord's and those that dwell therein. That's what Psalm says. And so when it comes to giving, we've got to ask, why did God create giving? Why did God create the concept of giving? Do you really think that he needs it to finish his work? Like he can't pay the electric bill if we don't participate. I firmly believe that God created giving not for God's sake, but for your sake. He did it for you because nothing will push out selfishness and greed from our lives and our heart like giving. Especially when we're in a place of hardship or in a place of not much and we obey and and trust the Lord when Jesus pointed out the, the woman, he was outside the church and he was watching with his disciples and people were going in the temple. They were going to church and they were tithing, they were giving. And he pointed out, he said, some of those, they're wealthy and they're tithing. 
But notice that widow, she just gave her two mites. That's all she had. She's giving out of sacrifice. She's giving, they're giving out of abundance, but she's giving out of her need. And so he's, he's, he's pointing to the place of a heart, and he's saying, I want you to have this heart, this heart. He's dealing with a, a selfish culture a, a t- when it's tempting to hold on, when it's tempting to, to be selfish and just keep what's ours. Now, now, ladies, you may know this to be true about guys, but when it comes to our food, we tend to be a little bit more selfish than any other areas of our life. For example, let's imagine, not today because they're closed, but tomorrow you go to Chick-fil-A, and you, you order, um, you're trying to be healthy, ladies, and you're trying to order a salad, right? And your husband orders his spicy chicken deluxe sandwich and waffle fries and a big lemonade. And you sit down at the table and, and man, you're eating your salad and you're proud of yourself because you're being good. But you're looking at your husband eating his waffle fries. And so you casually reach in and grab a waffle fry. And it was so good you decided to grab another. What kind of face are you going to get? from your husband. He's not going to be too happy, right? His instinct will be to pull his waffle fries closer to himself and give you that look. Like you should have ordered your own waffle fries. Stay away from mine, right? Guys, it's true. It's like that. And, and I think we're kind of a born, we're not born to be givers, right? We're born to be takers. Like think about your kids. When they're playing, not even playing with their own toys and a brother or sister or friend plays with the toy that they have, what happens? It's like mind, and they instantly want to play and, and take it. It's like it's, it, it's there. It's, that, it's something that we need to be freed from, and, and it's not something that we naturally become, but we're taught when we're modeled, when we when see God's word, because the reality is I wonder if God looks at us sometimes. And he's saying, I blessed you with so much, and you're my children. I've created you to be in my image, and I want you to walk in generosity and meet needs around you and to trust me. But you're so focused on holding on and you're worried and you're stressed out. And, you're, and he's like, oh, I just want you to be set free from that. I want to just, but, but I can't trust you because you're not being faithful in the little. But he's wanting to open up the doors of blessing for you. But he wants to be able to trust your heart. So you got to deal with that selfish heart. Now, a selfish heart is... Uh, it attacks you before you give because it comes up, you come up with excuses why you can't help others or why you can't trust the Lord. But you also have to deal with a grieving heart. The grieving heart happens after you give. So you give and then immediately there's like a lot of regret. Like, I don't know about this and doubt comes in. It says in verse 10 of Deuteronomy 15, you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be what? Grieved when you give to him. Now listen in. It says, because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in some of your works. Is that what it says? It says all of your works, right? And in all to which you put your hand. He's saying, don't have any regrets. Trust me in this. When you begin to become generous, I'm going to bless you. Whatever your hand puts to do, there's going to be a, a favor. And, and that's what kind of what a blessing means, right? Some of us, we only think of a blessing in terms of, when someone sneezes, you say, God bless you, right? Or we think of the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Or, but blessing, what it really means is that God's supernatural power is for you. A curse would be the opposite. God's, God's supernatural power is against you. But when, when you think of being blessed, hopefully you will think of it in terms of not just 
money, right? Blessing permeates every area of your life. It, it, it's, it's a blessing that will, it's God's favor upon your emotions, upon your relationships, upon your, your work, everything. And, and so that's why it's, it's being blessed is so important to understand that we need to be in the right position to be blessed. So we've got to deal with the selfish heart. We've got to deal with a grieving heart. Third, we've got to then develop a generous heart. So there's a transformation that happens here. Develop a generous heart. Verse 14 says, you shall supply him, how? Liberally, right? It means with a lie. Like go the extra mile here. Not just give him the scraps or a little bit to get by, but supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. So there we see, bless to be a blessing. I want to bless you, and so you can bless those who are in need. And God has wired us. He, he, if, if we're born again, if we're his children, we got to realize that we are created in his image. That he is a generous God, for God so loved the world that he gave. Over and over we see examples of God's blessings upon life, and it's because of him that we can be a blessing to others. The fourth principle we see here in Scripture is that we've got to develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15, 15 says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. He's commanding them to be generous. He's commanding them to to find needs and meet them, to help the poor. Over and over in Scripture, he just wants us to be about his kingdom. And we can't be about his kingdom if our hearts aren't right, if our hearts aren't generous, if our hearts aren't grateful. And that's why he says, I want you to remember when you were a slave in Egypt. I want you to remember what it was like when you were poor. He's like, listen to those stories of your grandparents when you're taking the Passover meal. Never forget your ancestors and how hard it was when they were in slavery and how I set you free and I led you to this promised land. And now you have vineyards and you have homes and you have freedom to worship. And there's this wonderful blessing, but never forget where you came from. I think it's important for all of us to remember those humble beginnings, right? And when we, when we remember what happens, we're like, oh, yeah, that's right, God. You provided. You blessed. You took care of those needs when we, were, we didn't know where it was going to come from. I'm grateful that at a young age, my parents modeled tithing for me. My dad was a church planter. And in the schools that I attended or movie theaters, he would start churches. And when he would get them up to a couple hundred people, we would move somewhere else. And he did this our, my whole life. And, and so it was a very humble uh, means of living. So he would always have another job, either putting roofs on houses or painting. And I would come with him when I was younger. But when I was in the fifth grade, I got my first, uh, my first job as a paper boy. I did this for five years. I had 35 customers. And I would deliver newspapers on my bike. And on Sunday mornings when the papers were real thick, my dad before church, we would go out together. And out the trunk of his vehicle, we would deliver papers together. And at the end of every couple of weeks, I would get, my, get the money. And I would, this was my money that I would be able to have for delivering these newspapers. My dad sat me down the first time. He said, there's three envelopes. The first envelope, we wrote tithe on it. The second envelope, save. And the third envelope uh, was to spend. And so from the very first money that I earned, 
I learned the principle of putting God first. And, and it, at first, I didn't want to do it because I wanted to get a new Commodore 64 computer with games on it. I wanted to get a new shotgun. I wanted to get these things, but it took time to trust the Lord. And, and so as I got older, I got a new job. I lived here in San Antonio. I worked on the northeast side of town at Kentucky Fried Chicken for a year until I learned that the chicken at Popeye's was better. So then I worked at Popeye's Chicken in high school. And it was the same principle. It was tithing God first, saving and spending. And that principle stayed with me even when we were youth pastors and when God called us back home to San Antonio to start a new church. It was a big faith step. We had to sell everything we had. We had some money and savings that helped us get going. But about three months before we started our, our first worship service in a public place, I remember the Lord dealing with my heart saying, uh, that we needed a tithe. I remember the kind of like the conversation I had with God and even with Stephanie, like we don't have, we don't have any income, nothing's coming in. And so we said, well, this would be a fair amount of money. Let's, let's just tithe on that. So we were tithing on no income, but it was a faith step uh, because I wanted to trust the Lord and it was just felt right because I was working. And I'll never forget uh, after we started this, I was swimming at the auditorium with a friend of mine who I'd been working out with and he had known our story, and, and after we were swimming, we were in the locker room, and he gave me two envelopes, and they were white envelopes. And I just, I just remember seeing it. One was church, and the other was Van Pays. And in each um, envelope was a check for $5,000. And I was like, God, thank you. You're going to be able to get us through for the next few months. And I got to see God's hand of provision and and. And as God, as a father, I think he looks at his children saying, are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to take this faith step? And so that, that increased my faith. So our leadership team prayerfully considered, what if we gave away our first offering as a church? So if you were part of our family, then you'll remember that we just took up one offering. It was $7,000, and we gave it towards starting a brand-new church, a live-dead church, on the island of Zanzibar off the coast of Tanzania. We gave it away. Why? Because we wanted to just send a message to ourselves and to God that we want to we have his heart and we want to be outward focused. The second thing we did as a church is that we decided that we were going to tithe off the general fund, that 10% was always going to go out towards missions. And we've done that over and over again every single year. This year, we're going to be closer to 20%, so we're trying to increase it as we go along. And we've seen God just pour out his blessings. When it's tempting to hold on, when it's tempting to like go, all right, we have needs, even when we are portable, and we're tempting, we need to save up so we can have land, buy land and build it, what happened? Well, the Lord saw our faithfulness, and I believe he blessed us when he laid it upon the Green family who owns Hobby Lobby, and many of you know the story. They bought this land, it was worth $2 million, and gave it to us. Why do I tell the story? Because I want to glorify God that he poured out his blessings and provision on us, and we've continued to see this over and over. So a year ago when we started training church planning teams and pastors and we had a team ready to go we we're saying God where do you want to lead us and guide us we got a phone call that there was this church family that really had they were they weren't doing so well and they only had a few in number but they had a, a pretty big church facility 25,000 square feet and they said uh, we're not making it we're not able to, to even pay our bills 
But we've seen what God is doing here at Gateway Fellowship, and we want to submit ourselves. We want to give our building, our land to you. And again, that was a huge blessing. And so we were able to send a team, and now here we are a year later, and they'll have about 300 that are gathered in worship. We're seeing souls being saved every single week in Bandera. Again, it's God's blessing over and over. We're witnessing it as we're putting God's kingdom first. And it comes down to our heart. And so my challenge for you today is to really ask the Lord to not only give you a new heart, no matter where you're at. I mean, when it comes to greed and generosity, probably all of us are at different places of maturity or growth. But no matter where you are at, we can always, there's always room for growth, right? There's always room for growth. And so I want us to really be open to the Lord. Like, God, I don't want to come to you with a clenched fist, but an open hand and an open heart. And so I want to challenge you to be open to the Lord this morning as we're in his presence. And the second thing I want to challenge you to do this week is to give something of value away. Now, generosity isn't always about money. Sometimes what's more precious than money is your time. And so maybe reflect on where your time is going. Go, you know, I need to give more of my time to my marriage or to my children or to the kingdom of God. And what would be more healthy? Maybe it's being more generous with your words. Where during this time of reflection in God's presence, the Holy Spirit's going to lay a family, a single mom, a widow on your heart. And you know you're going to be able to come alongside and, and help them and be a blessing to them. Maybe give away an extra car. Let's just be open and honest to the Lord together.